0: Hi, I'm JT White. Author, digital native, and product person. Obsessed with trying to find out how to make digital products and the people that make them the best we possibly can. This is Build For Better. My guest today is Cherian Thomas. Charion was the co-founder and CEO of Octopus Interactive, the largest national network of interactive video screens inside ride shares in the country until January of 2022 when T-Mobile acquired the company. Since then, Charion has taken on the role of head of marketing for T-Mobile Advertising Solutions, where he is helping to expand the thinking and impact of the T-Ad business. I was lucky to be introduced to Charion this year and have since taken great pleasure and sometimes potentially advantage of his kindness, insight, and energy I can't wait to share all of that with you. This is Cherry. All right, Cherian. So I wanna I wanna jump directly into uh, A, that I love that you're here and that, that your magenta background is phenomenal. I'm sad this is not a visual medium for everybody else.
1: <laughs> I think the visual mediums from my side, I feel like your mustache is coming through the screen <laughs> and tickling my face. So uh, the magenta's got, you know, obviously it pops, but that thing is like 4D right now. <laughs> it's terrifying it's very terrifying i think it's a good look although i feel like i'm on a podcast with a coach and like you're gonna make me do like drills uh in in a minute so yeah just burpees for days bro
0: burpees (laughs) for days uh
1: so i'm super pumped to have you
0: on for a lot of reasons um the 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 topic today is transitions and i think that it was the reason that one like really stuck to me when thinking with you is because So much of what you've had to do, like the amount of transitions you've had to get to where you are now Mm -hmm. and the just the volume of like how different that each of those jobs are. Mm -hmm. So I just want to start with like when you think about all the transitions you've been through, Mm -hmm. how do you like how do you approach that for you personally? Like how do you think about like the transitions you've been through and what it's meant to what each stage is meant to you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um there's definitely been a lot of transitions. And I actually think and I'm not sure if you know this, JT, but I was born in England, you know, moved from the England uh, from the UK over to the Chicagoland area. Within there went to different schools, So, like all my life, there's been like a, a stage of transition. Um, hey, you're going from, a, you know, second grade to a new school in the third grade, hey, you're going to a new school in the sixth grade. So and I do think that that's made you who you are, um, in the sense that like, I've certainly felt a lot more comfortable. It's not, i'm not you know scared to meet new people or introduce myself and so from a personal side i think there's been you know a good amount of geographical uh transitions in my life and from a professional side you're right i mean you you and i both come from the startup world and we know what it's like you're 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 kind of always in a constant state of pivot until you get that product market fit right uh but in our case you know we we went from I wouldn't even call it a pivot. It was like a you know 180 degree turn, right? From you know a mobile facing consumer app that dealt in you know yield management and uh, changing prices in restaurants to putting screens in the back of ride share vehicles and creating the largest network change. <laughs> exactly. And then now, obviously, as you mentioned, with the magenta background, although we kept, kept the, the octopus arms here, you know, with, with T-Mobile, this is a, a massive transition and it's been awesome. And I, I wouldn't take any of it back. It's, it's been uh, a part of who I am personally with those geographical transitions and who I am professionally with being able to adapt and, and, and move forward. So I'm
0: so, I'm so happy you brought up the personal side because this is going to be so much more fun for me starting right now. Okay. <laughs> Box is open. <laughs> oh, buddy. You just opened the whole thing. Okay. So here's my question. I, I didn't, like, I moved around a little bit, like in the same neighborhood, basically. So like, I, I had the opposite experience for me. I went to the same school with the same, like 27 kids for like way too long. Mm-hmm. So when you think about both like your personal journey and also your professional journey, because like, you know, I don't want to presuppose, but- being in startup land where it's your company and then walking into T-Mobile, like those are two wildly different circumstances. So what I'm interested in is how much of you comes with you to the new place and how much of you starting in a new place is an opportunity for you to redefine yourself?
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely deep. But one thing I will say is that going from uh, kind of the startup to T-Mobile was not as big of a transition, right? Like this is a company that um you know is constantly innovating is you know a disruptor the uncarrier and i think it's got that culture embedded of like hey let's innovate let's disrupt let's do things that the other guys and girls aren't doing you know i, I love the fact that they value that right and that's you know part of what's made t-mobile brand what it is today um as i'm sure you're aware right like no contracts right Free yeah, roll yeah. all these things like all these pain points that customers had and we're like, let's go solve. And that's exactly what startups do. And It's like, hey, let me find this problem and this pain point. Uh, let me see if this TAM or this this is a large enough pain point that many people kind of experience it. And then let's go solve. Ironically, that that transition has not been you know pulling of the duct tape by any means. It's been super smooth. And then on the personal side, right? Like, uh, you know, my family's from Kerala, from southern India, and so growing up. Come, you know, being, being from India, coming from India to the UK, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a change and a shock there. And then coming from the UK with a, a British accent, and it took like this, right. Um, and, and the color of your skin coming, coming, you know, to the Chicagoland area, there's obviously transition and change there, but I've always leaned into it. I think you, you play to your differences. It's something I like to, uh, you know, I teach my children, right. If everybody is going down one path, I actually think is beneficial to take the fork in the road and not be the cookie cutter. And so it starts with my name, right? Like I, I rarely meet another Jerry. And, and so it's always been a little bit of, uh, there's a difference, but unlike, you know, m- maybe many, um, I actually uh, love it and I, I would never want anything else because I think uh, that, that, that can play to your strengths and, and be a differentiator.
0: Yeah. It's well, listen, my name is John Thomas white. so I don't. <laughs> Can't see eye to eye on that particular, Um, but I definitely was raised in a household where I think the you know taking the the path less traveled was probably more celebrated than not. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the interesting things as I've been interviewing more people and just having these discussions is finding this through line of what leads people to our space, right? What leads people to like. You know, disrupt is one of those terms that I struggle with, because I think it gets overused by a lot of people in the, in the context that you just use it, I actually think you're right, like a disruptor by nature is doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing, or something that no one's thought to do yet. Yep. So, like, when you think about the, the path that you took, how much of all of the things that you had to do, and like, you know, you had to code switch and change and go from different places, how much of that? was instilled in you this, this sort of like natural urge to go disrupt things? And how much of that is just who you were, and then you figured out how to leverage the situations you were in to make it even stronger?
1: It's so funny that you mentioned that, because um, I was giving a talk the other day, and someone in the audience actually asked that question in in a different way. It was just like, hey, do you think you're kind of born with that entrepreneurial spirit? Or do you think it's something that you you kind of learn? And it's a really challenging question, right? And you know part of it i think is is can be learned right and i think the learning is through the ability to fail fast and just try it. like the more and we've heard this before right like you see entrepreneurs they start a startup fails second one fails third one boom right and it's like right. there's even investors out there that refuse to invest unless it's like you're you know you're, you've failed twice right um and so that ability to uh i don't want to say not care because it's important right you should have you know uh, you obviously want to succeed but i think there's a lot that can be learned from failing. The most important thing is that, you know, the more you try, right, the more acceptable it is to take risks. And so I do think that there is, there is like, a, it can be learned uh, aspect, right? Because, hey, if if you're willing and able to put your face out there, take some risks and not care if anybody uh, thinks of you differently because you failed, uh, that's a strength that's definitely needed in, in, in the entrepreneurial world, in the startup world. But at the same time, i think there's certain people that are born with this kind of that bothers me and it's i can't go to bed at night without thinking about like why that's wrong and how it should be better and how it could be better and here's how we're doing like i think that there's folks where you see a problem and you face it so many times it you just it's in your blood to say i need to do something about this right? right and so uh, I don't think everyone's like that. Some people are like, ah, eh, whatever. It's just the way it is, right? It's a little bit of a hybrid of both. And sorry for the long-winded answer. <laughs> no, I love that answer.
0: It's, it's funny because I've always kind of thought like when people ask to like, our, you know, <laughs> maybe they were born with it, maybe it's Maybelline. Like when people ask the question, <laughs> like I always kind of think that like everyone, I don't think you're born with it. It depends on what the problem set is. I think there are certain people that were born with the ability to go do what you just said. Some people have that fail forward fast mentality and it doesn't personally affect them in a way that stops them. That to me is not a learned behavior. You can learn it by failing over and over and over and over again, but there are also some people that just feel very comfortable with it. But then the other side of entrepreneurship is like, is the problem you're solving the thing for you? At which point, like it doesn't matter what your instincts are. If you believe wholeheartedly that the thing you're doing has to happen Totally, like, totally. those people are going to do
1: it no matter what, even if
0: it's against their instincts.
1: Totally. And I always look at it and go, you know, it's one thing to solve a problem that bothers you. It's all another thing to say, like, how many other people go through this problem yeah. every day, right? And that's that's really important. And so then you get a really uh, good idea on, like, hey, if I do spend time on solving this, it actually provides utility for, for the masses, and that gets really exciting. Um, and so I think that's also something to consider Is just like, hey, it's not about solving problems, it's like solving problems that occur every day, multiple times a day to many people, <laughs> which give, give, give the time and energy and the effort, it makes it a, a, a lot more rewarding at the end. Um, so I think it's something to, to consider as well.
0: So I want to ask you a question about your transition from Octopus to T-Mobile, specifically about not what you're working on, but the impact. Because for for me, being in startup land for as long as I have, like, you know, I've had stuff that I've built that I've built for hundreds of people. I've had stuff that's been out to, you know, millions of people. But, you know, now the stuff that you're doing because of the size of the organization that you work in is, I mean, T-Mobile touches like a yes. whole mess of people. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, does that yeah, change think your it's...
0: thinking at all? Like, does that change the way that you approach things
1: at all? Knowing... The size and scale of, of who you're reaching, or not really. For me personally, no, because we're very much aligned, right? Like we want to solve multi-billion-dollar problems, and um and that's how I look at it as well. But uh, but you're right, like everything is is got to be big, right? Because you got you want to make an impact, and you also want to play to um your owner's economics in the case, right? And so if you have this ability to touch, you know, so many people or be part of the customer journey. Uh, with, with, you know, everywhere you go with the phone in the pocket or in your hand, well, then certainly if you find a pain point, it's, it's impacting the masses. Right. Right. And so, and I think T-Mobile has done a fantastic job of that. And it also allows us to dream bigger, Uh, obviously dream big and deliver, but at the same time, dream bigger, right? Like let's go to the moon on this thing. And so, uh, and that's, what's really exciting for me is, is those moonshots and, you know, like it's so massive if we can solve this. Okay. It's definitely worth time and energy and, 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 and smart minds, um, smarter than mine. Right. Uh, focusing on this. Yeah. I think it's, it's uh, it's
0: refreshing from my side to hear that you work at an organization at the size and scale that you do, that still wants that is like encouraging people to take moonshots because like that's healthy, right? Like I want that, but along those lines, and this isn't specific to T-Mobile, but for you, like how hard or maybe not hard, but like what was the biggest challenge in the transition from going to being the upline to decision making, right? I mean, you had investors, which is like non-trivial, but being the upline to make the decision versus now being part of a larger org where like you can make decisions, but like other people have to weigh in because it touches a lot of stuff. Sure. Like what was that transition like for you just personally?
1: You know, I think it's... it's. Um... It has been a little bit interesting, right? Cause you're not in the, the CEO chair by any means, but I also respect the process. And so it has definitely been a little bit different, but at the same time, I think I've learned a lot. Um, and it, it's not just my way or the highway. And I actually love it because you can't just have an idea and say, oh, we're gonna do this. Your idea has to pass a lot of tests uh, <laughs> through a lot of stakeholders. And that's a great thing, right? And so yeah. that means that, that when it does come out of the gauntlet, it's, it's pretty bulletproof because it's gone through so many processes um, or, or good minds and have, have had their eyes and ears on it. So um, I think it's, it's definitely been a little bit of a, I kind of appreciate it, um, especially as we, we do things that are much bigger and, and, and far more at scale.
0: Was it terrifying at all? like just going into a bigger company like that? Like, was there any part of you that was like, oh my God, this is absolutely terrifying.
1: <laughs> I guess to the guy who's always welcoming of change and, and transition, it wasn't terrifying to me. I think the most terrifying thing was switching from like Zoom to WebEx and G, G Suite <laughs> to, to, to Office. Uh, but other than that, I, I have, you know, th- this is a unbelievable company with great culture. People care about being here. People want to be here. People want to see the brand succeed. And I think that's that's what made T-Mobile, which was an underdog right where it is today. Um, and, you know, certainly proud to be part of where it can be tomorrow and where it can be in the next you know hundred years. Um, and so, you know, they they certainly not a sense of uh, being terrified, uh, but more of a sense of embracing like we can do bigger things now. That's sick.
0: All right, so I want to go back to your, like, the first transition that you mentioned professionally, which was when you made your about face, I'll call it, as opposed to a pivot. So, Kit, I'd love to talk to you about not necessarily the things that went into why you made the decision you did, but more specifically, like, what was the process that you had to go through to get yourself and the rest of
1: your team in the organization to be comfortable with the decision? Because that's
0: not an easy thing to do.
1: No, it's not. And I think the the um, the biggest thing that Brad or co- my co-founder and I were really mindful of is the, the team, right? Because you got a bunch of guys and girls who came, you know, quit their jobs, uh, took pay cuts, whatever it was to put faith and trust in us uh, on this mission. Um, and then one fine day, you know, we're having a team meeting saying, hey, I know you all signed up to, 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 to kind of accomplish this mission. We're, we're changing course. Here's why that, I actually give a lot of credit to Brad. He is like the best operator in the planet. He is so good. I've never, ever met someone who could manage more projects and keep them all, uh, all the gears moving and greased with the right amount of grease uh, than Brad. And, you know, he was really fantastic at making sure that we were playing to everybody's strengths with the pivot um, and that uh, there was a plan and it was written down. And, you know, then obviously we were both delivering why you know, uh, Josh or Lauren, why this is your new role and why you'd be great at it, but we were not going to pivot without the support of the team. And I think because uh, otherwise that's just set up for failure because two people yeah. can't, you can't do this. Right. Um, so I think the the moment in time was just Brad and I were able to say, hey, we're going to change course and talk to our board and so forth. But but getting the team to buy in uh, and understand the why was really the, the pivotal, that was the true pivot, right? And so there was... A huge credit on just being organized and and making sure that there's a plan, which I give to to, to Brad, um, and then you know a huge thank you to everybody that worked for us, who actually put faith and trust in our decision making, and we're very fortunate in the sense that um, you know as you know every entrepreneur's dream is to you know ha- have an exit or whatever it may be, and I think what we were able to do is create a great home for everybody um, that that believed in us, so.
0: Well, I'm thrilled that you just said the word home because now we are going to. I want to flip to advertising for a second, even though that is very specifically not what the podcast is ever about. But I (laughs) I have you here, so I have to ask this question. So, digital out of home. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like this weird. I'm just I'm fascinated in in how your journey took you to digitizing and Mm -hmm. and the story of Octopus is one that I'm very very familiar with because I know you and I have some friends that work for you, but like when you looked at what was inherently looked at as kind of like an older medium that wasn't doing much. Mm -hmm. And then you completely transformed how to go about it. Like, first of all, like there's a certain amount of like gusto that it takes to be like, nah, man, we're good. We're going to do this. (laughs) Like, What was that conversation like? And then also just like, why, like why go into a space that had already Because it was like, it's one of the oldest
1: forms of advertising. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll, uh, I'll flip it back to you. Do you know when the first billboard uh, ever occurred? I mean, like seven, 1800s or so. I don't know. Yeah, it's like eighteen seventy nine or so. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of important because it's I mean it's taken centuries for this space to innovate and digitize. Um, unlike the mobile phone, right, where like you know, iPhone came out two thousand and seven, everything went fast, digital fast. Bad, fast. Right? fast yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that happened in just a matter of you know decades, whereas you're you're talking about you know, um, out of home or digital out of home, which has taken centuries. And I think it's ripe for disruption. And now is the time and primarily because of a few things. Right. Uh, The cost of screens has come down tremendously over the past 10 years. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you you remember what it was like to go to like Best Buy or Circuit City back in the day. 75-inch TV was like $7,500, right? I
0: cut my teeth. I worked at Best Buy from 16 to like 22. No and, way. Like, Geek, came Squad? College. Geek Squad? Oh, I, I rolled out Geek Squad in Albany, New York store, 428, baby. Don't, don't wow. get me started. Oh, yeah. That explains so much. I'm sure it that does, much. yeah. <laughs> but I remember, um, like, I remember the original like Runco Plasmas and the, like, yeah. Pioneer elites that were like 14 grand for a totally. 43 inch. Like I remember when, like, I remember when I'm rolling them out on the floor.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's like, uh, I mean, it's a about point in the sense that like, look, um, you know, while you have the rise of like education and all these other things, right? The cost of screens have actually come down tremendously. Yeah. And so therein lies an opportunity to make the digital out of home pie larger, meaning create more touch points along the customer journey. Uh, which couldn't have and didn't exist 20 years ago because it wasn't economically feasible. Uh, I guess Octopus is a great example, right? Like we wouldn't have started that business of putting screens in Uber and Lyft vehicles if each screen costed, you know, $2,000. That just doesn't make any sense. And so we certainly made uh, the pie larger by doing that. And we see a lot of potential uh, in in the space for A, you know, the cost of screens going down, B, you know, all of these screens are very sophisticated, right? Um, they they are pumped for programmatic, have all the connections to the DSPs, SSPs, all the ad tech is in there. But also, um, screens that aren't on your house, aren't in your house, and not on your phone, like need connectivity. You need upstream and downstream connectivity, and that's something that that T-Mobile does better than anyone. And so, um, we're bullish in the space, and we think it's right for disruption, and we think that we can uh, play to our core competencies, uh, and, and really, you know, become an 800 pound magenta gorilla, uh, in this space. And the last thing I'll say is that we're also a massive spender in the space, which means we see holes in the boat. We, we see the pain points on the buy side. And so how can we solve that, solve it for ourselves and then be able to extrapolate that out and bring the uncarrier to, to the space. So, um, long-winded way of saying it's ripe for disruption. Uh, now is the time because of the sophistication on the the programmatic pipes. Um, and then lastly, the connectivity piece. Um, so why isn't there a screen at the top of the slope at Vail Resorts, right? Yeah. Well, with connectivity, you can do that. Uh, there isn't one now because people have been ru- running, no one's running lines up there, right? And T1 cables. So. Yes. Um and that's the power of what you know you can do with five g and 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 the network, so a little bit of insight on just uh why I'm personally bullish on the space um and like I said, right, we wanna uh place bets where we can enjoy um you know uh, leveraging our core competencies when you also brought something up that I think uh, that I love,
0: right, which is like who better to fix it than somebody on the inside like I wish more and this, is, this isn't specific to advertising, this is specific to the world in general, but like, I wish there was more open dialogue from the people doing the thing about what they don't like about the thing. Yeah. Because like, it, like it's that, that consortium concept is so good on paper, but it's so flawed in practical application because there are competitors that don't want to necessarily help each other. But I love the idea of like, and, and when, when, when you guys were you know, became part of the T-Mobile team, I was like, oh, that actually to me is great. Because yeah. now you have an advertiser who wants to advertise in this medium, yep. actually like putting skin in the game and playing it and going, okay, like now what?
1: <laughs> well, I also think that um, you know that just talking on transitions and why, right? Like, um, I don't know if you know this, but the reason we pivoted from Spot like Octopus was, you know, our ideal customer was sitting in the back of rideshare vehicles, right? The customer that downloaded our mobile app, right? Was sitting in the back rideshare vehicles. There was no way to reach them, and so we got in the back seat with them, and we started that. So we were solving our own pain point, right. uh, which was what the led to the first transition. And then, if you think about kind of like, hey, you know, there, there's things that we can solve for T-Mobile, and we have a great team that can do that, and we could drink our own magenta champagne. And if it passes our test, then it's pretty good for the market, given the fact that you know we are a player in the market. So. I think it's good in general, right? You should um, you should always try to solve something that that you know, um, or, or I guess eat your own dog food, drink your own magenta champagne, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's a it's a it's a good ethos there. Yeah, we always use the champagne one. I don't like the dog food one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. It was funny. One of my uh, coworkers had actually corrected me because I was like, "Hey, you know, we need to not transfer some of this knowledge from from one worker to another." I mean, God forbid, like you know, they get hit by a car. They're cheering. Like you mean? God forbid they hit, they win the lottery, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, I'm never gonna say that ever again. It's it's always always gonna be you know the positive upside. So yeah,
0: that's a much that is a much better optic than I usually use the hit by a bus. And I guess yeah, thinking about it, it's not yeah. great.
1: <laughs> right, right. Winning the lotto is a good better way of saying it, but. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's, that's something that we were used to. Um, it was in our blood prior and it continues to remain, um, at T-Mobile.
0: So when you think about building teams now, right. Because like now you get this very, like, you know, you're in a very cool spot where you're in the organization that does the thing that you do. They advertise, right. They want to understand how to advertise better. So they have buyers of advertising. They have sellers of advertising. They have people who create the like mechanics that advertise, like how do you then communicate across all of those different disciplines to like drive to a goal? Like what, what's the mechanism that you use?
1: Well, one of the things that I've found is, is uh, it's all about creating shared goals. Um, And if if I have a LOB inside of T-Mobile and uh, the mission that I'm, you know, heading towards and, and my goals actually help that of other LOBs, Um, that's where the magic happens, right? Because then you get way more muscle behind it. um, Because it's like, hey, uh, this isn't just solving something for for T ads, right? This is solving something for our consumers or our merchandise team or, you know, um, our our connectivity team. So like, there's, there's a lot uh, of just, hey, how do you uh, create shared goals? Um, And then, you know, kind of meet on Main Street and say, all right, well, this is what you guys do best, or guys and girls do best. Here's what we do best. And as cliche as it sounds, I'll put a spin on it, create that one plus one equals eight scenario. Um, And so there's been a lot of that. And, and that's, um, that's truly been being like a little bit of a connector. But also being very curious because you can't realize if it's a shared goal unless you know everything and anything about you know the other divisions, and so that's been really cool for me to just like learn uh, everything this magenta mothership does because we do a lot. As the more I explore, the more pumped and excited I am to be here because um, you know we're we're pl- placing a lot of really really smart bets and you know, you, you uncover more and more every day on what goes on behind, behind the magenta doors. <laughs>
0: yeah, you hit on a word that has been a through line of a lot of the, like the conversations I've had, which is curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I'm hearing and what, I've, what I'm recognizing is that like the people that I respect the most and the people that I think have the most fun are the ones who are like, just use curiosity as a superpower. And so how do you leverage curiosity in a, in a larger organization? Because I, I, I'm, I'm not making any assumptions about T-Mobile, but just in general, like a lot of people, like the more stakeholders you have, the more vying for resources you have to have, right? Like everybody's kind of like, you, everybody needs stuff. Like that's just the nature of humans, that's the nature of business. And being curious and understanding how to connect those dots in a way that people see your curiosity and appreciate it as opposed to believing that you're resource fighting yeah. is like a superpower that I've recognized in some people. So how do you go about like displaying that curiosity, like naturally the way that it really is. Cause I know you as a person, like that's yeah. who you are, sure. right? Like how do you do that
1: in a way that feels non-threatening? <laughs> well, I think, um it's actually probably through action because if i vocalize i'm curious about something or a problem right um it's only going to get so far uh, but if i say hey this was a challenge so i rolled up my sleeves and i got it from zero to one to an mvp and it's working and it's solving this problem now i want to kind of um you know share this with others that just goes a lot farther yeah and i think you know if people appreciate like oh you're not just coming it's like kind of seeing like you know a entrepreneur with a deck and then you're like well how's it going in the marketplace and they're like we haven't tried it yet yeah. <laughs> right and it's like yeah. what you haven't especially in this day and age how quickly and easy it is to make an app you know as you know in this space of ai like you know the tools you can use the agents you can use like you know what uh, you know what took me maybe a year in 2014 to build i truly think you could build it in a weekend today yeah right? probably. And so there's really no excuse of saying like, oh, you know, I I didn't get a prototype built. Uh, And so, you know, less on the curiosity side, but as you mentioned, like, hey, how do you get other folks, you know, um, know, either to have that shared curiosity or say, hey, this is interesting on what you're working on. I think having something of substance is really important. That's a little bit of my passion is like getting something from zero to one and then find folks like you and Brad and Ryan and so forth who are like fantastic operators to say like, okay, now, now, now this is how, you know, we're, we're going to scale this thing. And so, um, so yeah, hopefully that helps answer your question. But, uh, what came to mind when you were saying that was just like, don't just go around being curious and saying, Hey, can you help me? I need these resources actually say, Hey, uh, I used my own resource I used myself uh, as resource number 1 I got it this far um yeah. and I think there's some potential here and let's let's kind of test and learn it goes a long way Yeah the I mean obviously as a product person my instinct
0: is always objects like I want to see the thing right like I've seen a lot of decks yeah. like I love when people come in with some like super janky built in rails whatever But then you're like, but they're like, look, it categorizes wins by division. And you're like, actually, it's kind of cool. Like, (laughs) all right, cool. Yeah. And I think that with, I'm very bullish with uh, on the chat GPT stuff, specifically around code, because I think what you're talking about, zero to one gets way faster and way more interesting, which I actually think is better because now engineers, ideally, if it works the way I want it to, I talked to Brian about this on the podcast, like it should accelerate discussion. Because now you can go and be like, it does this. And they're like, oh, that's what you want it to do. That's dumb the way you built it. But I get what you're trying to do now.
1: Let me show you how we would do that so it scales and works. Totally. And then I guess the double-edged sword there is really speed, right? So like, you know, then you need to have... uh... Because just as fast as you could build something someone else can as well right, right. like it's not just a tool chat gpt isn't limited to just jt right so um yeah. <laughs> and so then it's like speed right so competition got faster and smarter and more resources as well and so yeah. then it really becomes one of those things where it's like uh you know you got to go faster and you got to own the market and you have to um you know uh, speed to market is really important given the tools that we have today that we didn't have 10 years ago
0: yeah So along those lines, I have a, this is a weird take on transitions, but I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week and I like pinned it in my head. I'm like, I want to talk to you about this specifically. So when you hire, right, like we're in a different world now than when you and I were coming up, right? Like I I still have friends that have been in a company for like 15 years. And to me, it's like, that's great. Like super happy, but it's also nuts. When you see transitions on resumes, when you see people churning through stuff, because a big part of building a company, I've, I've learned over the years, I think you would agree, I'm going to presume, mm-hmm. is the people. Like who you bring in, specifically your first like 20 to 50 hires is a big deal, totally. right? So when you think about how you find those people that are going to have shared curiosity, right? And they're going to be zero to one thinkers. Like what are the things that you look for specifically
1: that like get you excited about a candidate? I'll give you the simple answer I'll- one is like my my test like the most important questions is you know do you want to be here right like do you wake up and like you actually care about the culture you care about the mission the long term like being part of this company like are we aligned on that like and so that's really important is one do you want to be here and then two is how do you think and and can you kind of like you know solve critical problems can you you know think differently like we mentioned right like you know, anyone can get the obvious answer? Is there a more creative way of achieving that goal at a faster pace or or make giving a competitive advantage? So those are the two, two main ones. Um, But yeah, you mentioned something that's kind of interesting. And and it's like, you know, if you see a resume, and they've only been at a company for six months, and one year, then another one year, somewhere, one year, somewhere, six months, somewhere. uh, It's a little bit of a, uh, personally, it's a it's a big flag, right? Because you know, heck, you get into an organization, maybe you're taking the first 30 to 60 learning, right, then Mm -hmm. you've got some time to actually, you know, do. Um, And then you're going to realize, like, hey, maybe some things are working great, some things aren't. And so if someone's out, uh, you know, in less than a year, uh, they they probably have some challenges, you know, they they probably don't look at challenges and obstacles as like that, I'm going to go through it, over it, under it, whatever I need to do they yeah. probably say like hey i'm going to give up and do something different so um so there's a little bit of a red flag there um uh, but more importantly is just you know hiring a players people that are better than me at doing that one thing we need you to do uh, to to kind of accomplish this mission um and then you can't devalue right like this shouldn't be a transactional thing we spend so much time at work <laughs> You know, yeah, don't just come in to check the box, right? Like we actually want the, you know folks to come in because they believe in like the the greater mission of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to disrupt. Uh, yeah. And will you feel feel proud in three years when we totally disrupted or transformed this space? Um, I think those folks are on a different frequency, and it's a two way street, right, between employee employer on that front. So
0: yeah. All right. So I want to, I want to challenge you on one thing. It's not necessarily a challenge, but I'm curious. This is a conversation I get into with my friend, Tom, all the time. Mm -hmm. So the difference between specialist and generalist. Mm -hmm. So when, when you say that you want to hire somebody who can come in and they're better at you with that one thing, by the way, like, I agree with that. Like, you know, when you hire an engineer, like you want an engineer, (laughs) you want some like a front engineer, you're not going to be like, Oh cool. You've done some stat stuff. That'll do. Like there's clearly a role for it, but do you think in the, in the strategy sphere that there's room for generalism or do you actually think that hyper-specific knowledge of domain space is more beneficial?
1: I prefer the latter because I think that um, leadership's role is to connect those superpowers and, and, and make sure they all work together. And then that ensures that like, hey, you're getting the best in class at this thing, Right across, let's just say, 12 different verticals, right? And then it's it's our job as leaders to say, I'll connect the dots and make sure everybody kind of meets on Main Street. And then also, I feel like it it, it lets people look to the left and look to the right and be like, hey, I'm, I'm really proud that you're in my corner here because right. I know you are like amazing at that one thing or those few things or whatever it may be. You know, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, but just how I operate, I prefer having... You know a group of absolute specialists who are the best in class best in the planet at doing this thing and then let's let's connect those dots and uh, you know what is it planeteer or captain planet right put all your hands in and when you combine together that's where the that's where the magic happens so it's like five little mini lion bots that come together to be one big lion bot. yeah (laughs) um but yeah for sure and you know i'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this because you know i was listening to your pod with ryan and you guys are talking about, you know, certain product people or engineers or kind of, I believe you said there's indoor cats, there's outdoor cats and there's dogs. And when you said that, I was like, what am I? I don't know if I'm, and jokingly, I'm like, I think I might be the fish that keeps jumping into the filter uh, and like, what's going on in there. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on the generalist versus, versus the, uh...
0: well, what I hear, what I hear, what like, so, the way that i walk away from that is that you're a generalist who hires specialists because you can see all the things but you just need people to put all the things together for you
1: well that's i don't know i would push back on that so that's i was i'd be a specialist at right yeah connecting all those pieces together right so i'm a specialist in the one thing i need to do so i know we're not going we're not going to go that deep on the pod <laughs> but i think i think it could go either way because I, I want to show up and I want my team to be like, absolutely, I don't want anyone else other than Charian representing us in in what we're trying to do, right? Right. Um so I, I need to convey to them that I'm best suited to take our collaborative thoughts and 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 kind of lead the ship. I definitely think of myself as this the specialist of connecting and assembling the generalists. How about that one? <laughs> I'll take you. I'll take well I think it's so the reason I think it's interesting,
0: right, is because Specifically, looking at Gen Z, they're a different hiring set, and they're they have access to more things, and that so they can do more things, yep. and so you get these like just wild kids that can code and are also yep. artists and have some design stuff that they've done, and they've done seven boot camps and all this stuff. I'm I'm a hundred percent with you, by the way. That like there is a world in which specialists only exist and they need to. But I do think as companies do the merging more than they, like we've talked about convergence between, I mean, in TV, we've talked about it forever. But this idea of converging like, you know, your designers and your product people and all this stuff into like pods that that like Amazon and Spotify use. This idea of having people around that are like also really knowledgeable of the other disciplines, Mm -hmm. but happen to be specialized in one, or they're the best at this one. They might not be like Kobe Bryant, but they also might be J.R. Smith. J.R. is pretty good. Like yeah. that's not bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And from my context, I was speaking more on like the, the entrepreneurial side, right? Like, hey, you yeah, that's have this right. idea and you want to bring it to market. It's like, hey, this is, this is the type, type of team I'd like to assemble. But yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of value. Like on the general side, there's kind of like, you know, the uh, cost of entry, right? Like you have to, you know, an example would be like, hey, do you know how a product goes from like, uh, you know, Shanghai to what port, where does it go from there, the warehouse, the distribution center yeah. to the, you know, to the actual brick and mortar? And then, you know, how does it get sold? And then how is that done digitally on a website? And right. like, that's a, like, you kind of need to know that in our space, like how that flow goes. So you have to have a basic, you know, um, uh, understanding of like the general generalist concepts of, of the industry. Uh, but then, within, can you can you be a specialist? So,
0: yeah, I like the idea of being an entrepreneur and being a specialist, right? Because yeah, like if I'm going to give you money for something, I want you to be Kobe Bryant. Like I'm not giving J.R. Smith money. <laughs> to use that example again, <laughs> oh, it's too funny. The last thing I want to touch on before we'll kind of get to my my fun little question here at the end is as you've grown as a leader. What's because like, you know, you now are around a bunch of other really good leaders. Like one of the things I always find is fascinating about our startup space is and listen, really good um, investors are super helpful with this. Great advisors are like one of the more like really good advisors are so under like estimated and so underrated, I think, in startup culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of really bad advisors out there that make advisorship, I think, weird. But like, how do you now go about leveling up? like your, your game individually, right? Because you walked in, like you started your own thing, super hard to do. It was super successful. Um, you're a very like, you're a non-arrogant guy, which is good. But like my ego would be like, well, I got here, baby. So like, now what? Like, let me teach you guys how I did this. <laughs> like, there's definitely a part of me that thinks that would be a thing in my head. <laughs> but like now you're also surrounded by these people who are nuts, right? Who are running multi-billion dollar items. Like, what do you do and, and what is the practice that you've taken to like level up around all these incredible leaders that you now found yourself surrounded by?
1: Yeah, I think it's actually, you touched on it earlier on like the curiosity part, right? So if I'm in a meeting, and this happens a lot with Ryan actually, but, and and like, you know, somebody or, or you know, let's say I'm talking with like the networking team or infrastructure team, T-Mobile, it's like, and someone says something that I don't fully understand, I'm immediately writing that down and I will research that and figure out everything and anything because it bothers me, right? If someone's talking about, you know, single frequency transmitters and then they're talking about like, you know, um, know, spectrum relaying and so forth. It's like, all right, well, how does this work? Where did it start? Let's go back to the roots and kind of learn. So there's a lot of that, um, as you can imagine. And so I think that that keeps you, you know, always – curious, but then always learning. And then the next time you have a meeting, you feel like, okay, I'm a little bit better at walking the walk uh, with these folks. So that's been just a general habit, I guess, so to say, is if you don't understand something, like do something about it. And uh, and it's pretty amazing what's on YouTube. Uh, I, I have yet to be stumped on uh, trying to find out how something works by utilizing YouTube. <laughs>
0: yeah that's actually a very funny point i can't think of any time when i'd be like i need to know how to do this to my specific washing machine and you're like oh here's seven videos for
1: it oh my goodness and and like i mean it's it's like in the professional setting and then also in the personal setting right like you know at our house we have this ice maker and it's kind of critical because (laughs) if the ice maker like we'll entertain a lot and uh it's so funny our ice maker stopped working and we literally didn't entertain or do anything for like two and a half weeks. Like it's like, if you don't have ice, like forget about any social setting. Like ice what is, is like a is? necessity, right? On on being able to to hang hang with your friends. So uh but we ultimately ended up fixing it through a YouTube video. And you know, my wife and I were like, All right, well, these are the things we need to order. Here are the steps. It's kind of complicated, but we <laughs> we ended up doing it and I'll give her more credit than myself. Um, but the, I mean, that's kind of just a domestic example, but same thing in the real world, right? There's just so much information. And as you know, right? Like we, we kind of um, merged into ad tech. And so we had to do a ton of learning. Yeah. Um, and so there's just so much out there and so many resources that, um, you know, uh, that continues, right. If You're in a room and, Sounds like someone speaking Japanese on the, the, you know, the acronyms, like look them up, write them down, look them up. (laughs) Do you actively search out people in your organization that seem
0: to have it all together to go be like, Hey, like help, like, and not like, first of all, I think one of the things that you said that I think is a really important takeaway is that you have the power to answer a lot of your own questions. And I do think that's one of those things like I always laugh as if you remember the the trolling site. Let me Google that for you. That like I would love to send to my friends when they would ask me questions. I'm like let me Google that for you. Like, why don't you that? like I'm not. I don't know more than Google. Yeah, I promise. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I do think there's a self starter mentality, which makes total sense with your journey. Which is like you have the you have the ability to answer your own question. But do you also then go knock on doors and go? You know what? Like I saw this woman or this guy in a room. Yep. And whoa. I need I need to know more about why they know all
1: those things. Absolutely, you're not going to be a subject matter expert, but it's uh, I almost look at it as a little bit disrespectful to go ask a question and then not do uh, like not get it as far as you could. Right to yeah. show that like, hey, I'm asking you a question, but like, here's what I know and here's what I've learned and I've taken time to like get a general understanding and I'm stuck. Yeah. Um, and and then I think what you'll notice um, is that people actually love helping right yeah they feel good inside and um people love helping when they realize someone's put in work and they're truly stuck and so you know i think it goes goes back to just like hey you got to do some some of this this onus is on you right get it as far as you can get it to 90 95 percent then ask for help on the last five five ten percent so
0: yeah, Bill Bill Parcells had that like in his, you know, posted in his office forever was don't come with a, a problem, come with a solution. Oh, right? totally agree. Doesn't mean I it's totally the right agree. solution, by the way, but like, it's okay to not, it's okay to be wrong, but don't come up empty-handed.
1: Like, I, I wholeheartedly almost- agree. You know, not, there's not, it's almost like depressing if you're just going to sit around and talk about problems, but- It's actually awesome and exciting to identify a problem and then have like two or three solutions. And then what we're discussing is like which one of these solutions makes makes the most sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's something we always encourage. I always encourage the team. It's like it's okay to have a problem, but like put some thought into like, hey, what are some ways we can we can solve this? Um, And the team's here to help. Um, But. You know, you personally should please come with a solution as as yeah, well. Yeah. So. It's also this is not what this podcast is about, and we'll
0: flip to the questions in a minute. But it's one of my favorite parenting hacks. Is like one of one of the first things I say to my kids is like they'll show up with something wrong. I'm like, so what have you tried so far? Yep. <laughs> like, totally. what have you done to this point? Has it been nothing? Because if it's nothing, yes. <laughs> later.
1: <laughs> totally agree
0: um all right so now uh bernard pivot is a french uh author and then james Lipton adapted his questions for inside the Actor studio and i have adapted them for this so it's a rapid fire just sort of nine questions uh and I will, no context you just get to say whatever you want i'll um, do
1: my best to rapid fire back on the response but you know what like,
0: you take your time you the
1: whistle coach if you uh no, no, no.
0: yeah listen i do look like ted lasso but no i'm good <laughs> yeah. uh, All right. What is a quote or a concept that you love?
1: Uh, Quote? Um, I like you accept the reality of the world at which it's presented to you, um, which is a little bit of a throwback to the Truman Show. But that's always stuck with me, especially as you you uh, live in the world of advertising and media. Um, So that's that's a that's a favorite quote. It's a good one.
0: Uh, What is a quote or a concept that you dislike?
1: um well there's like the cliche like go big or go home um it's not that i don't like it i actually think it should be like go to the moon or go home right like hey wh- how much farther can can you go and like let's bet on moon shots um and so i think you know uh that that quote could be tweaked a little bit i like it i like that a lot all right what's a job other than your own you would love to have well my wife like will tell you this I, i'll give you her answer which is uh Charing, if you don't start a sport sports camp for kids you've missed your calling because you know I, i've got I, I play football volleyball basketball soccer i play tennis uh, i love tennis I, and you know there's probably one of those objects in my car right now and if anybody is willing and able to play i will stop what i'm doing uh, and it turns out it's the neighborhood kids who who always are like, yeah, yeah, Mr. Thomas, I'll play. And yeah. I love playing all-time quarterback for my kids and his friends and just being on the street. Um, and so that, I think camp is a close, a sports camp for kids is probably the closest thing to to check that box. Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, what's a job other than your own you would never want? Ooh, job that I would never want. I think, honestly, anything that's like remote. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this whole remote like culture. Um, I I think I drive off of the energy of other folks. I think it's amazing to fist bump someone in the hallway and recognize folks and be there in person to help solve problems. So like a job I would not want is a remote job working with remote people. Like that would be (laughs) that uh, regardless of the field, I don't want it. (laughs) Totally fair. Uh, What turns you on spiritually, creatively or emotionally? Uh, creatively, I think it's, it's, um, folks that are able to go zero to one, right? So being able to have an idea, uh, and, and take it to the MVP, um, you know, kind of stage, I'm always excited about that. And I love advising other entrepreneurs who are like, Hey, I need some help, but they've actually gotten it to like an MVP stage. Um, that, that definitely inspires me and, and I'm excited to to learn. I'm also excited to give back any feedback I might have. Uh, what's her do off spiritually, creatively or emotionally? Uh, the exact opposite. Hey, Sharon, Ch- Ch- can I meet with you? I have this idea and they haven't put any pen to paper and they haven't put any nuts to bolts and there is no, you know, there's not a first customer, uh, you know, there's not a prototype, uh, that, that turns me off. The, the most yeah totally fair uh
0: what's a product other than your own other than your own that you absolutely love
1: tesla Could be i would say <laughs> tesla is a product and primarily because it's like getting a new car uh every time they do a software update um and i love that right it's 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 pretty amazing um the way that they they innovate and then the second thing would be youtube uh because as we mentioned it's kind of like a, a great way to learn and quickly um you know, get information, digest information and uh, uh, make sure meeting two, you're better equipped than meeting one quickly. Should somebody say something you don't understand?
0: I, so I'm going to take a quick side, a quick turn left here for a second, just because I'm curious to y- as you as a human. So when you're watching a tutorial on YouTube, let's say it's like a physical thing that you have to fix, like an ice machine or something. Mm-hmm. Are you the watch it all the way through? Don't skip any steps. Or are you kind of like fast forwarding every 15 seconds once in a while? Cause you're like, yeah, yeah I get, I get this part.
1: Oh, I am the, so on YouTube app, if you double click, it shoots forward 10 seconds. And then you can also increase speed, right? 2X, 3X. I am, let's get to it, right? (laughs) Uh, Time, time, time is, uh, is valuable. And, you know, it's interesting because like, you know, the way the algorithms work, they want you to watch longer. Those, those creators get more ad revenue, et cetera. And I'm like, nope, uh, Double tap. Let's get, oh, let's get yeah. to the meat. Right? I had a
0: feeling it was going to be your answer. Cause I'm definitely like in the, like the, I'm a, I call myself a jump to recipe person. Like, I don't just tell me, show me the yeah. exact thing you're doing with your hand that I have to do. And then don't talk,
1: do the next thing.
0: Like I'll you know, do it. If,
1: if they hook you, I'm all for like your pod's got a pretty, I forgot to tell you this, but um, I don't know if it's in the intro, but I know your outro has got a nice little beat. I was listening to the, you know, I didn't skip the outro. Uh, it, it's <laughs> And it, it it was like, all right, I'm grooving here. I'm a, I'm going to leave this outro on for a little bit. Yeah, well, hey, listen,
0: I keep it to 8 seconds cuz I'm like that's as long as people can hang.
1: I'm a fan and. of 8s.
0: <laughs> um, what's a product that you wish was better or you have strong feelings about?
1: Um I guess its product or service would be like tsa clear right like the clear thing it's just like better ways of doing that how is the clear line longer than the regular line like that should just there should be something that you get if that ever happens right and you know they that, that that's one product i think could use a little bit of uh i'm always also very curious on like you know there's a point of diminishing returns right like if everybody gets clear yeah then like what's the point so i think they have like clear plus now I don't know yeah. what, it, what it gives you. Yeah, there's just going to be silver.
0: Eventually, you'll be like a platinum clear member. Yeah, it's just
1: yeah. going to be more lines. Yeah, clear platinum. They just like put an electric skateboard on you and you're just like <laughs> zip through. So.
0: All right. Final question. If you could solve any one problem using technology, what would it be?
1: Um, personally, it's the returns process, right? So if you buy a product, like there's got to be a better way of returning something. It's like, oh, I got to package this thing back up. I got to find tape. I got to tape it. The tape should be the width of the label, right? Like that's one thing because I always put the tape. So I always have this fear. I have this fear that like, oh, it's going to get in the rain. And then my label's going to wash away. So I always tape over the label. But the the tape, you have to do like three different pieces of tape to just cover the label. So (laughs) ups fedex when you if you're listening right like just make the label the width of the tape or 3m make some tape that's specific for for the labels by the way if somebody doesn't
0: pick this up as a quick like hey there's just a booklet of tape this is such a good small startup like what a good idea it'd be such a good
1: idea i mean it's a it's a serious pain point because like I mean, as you know, we live in this world where like packages get delivered to your home all the time. And it's like, all right, well, the ones you don't like, you have to figure out, uh, put them in a package and you have to actually do a lot of work. Right. And so I don't know, maybe Amazon's going to start putting like return lockers at every block, but that would be pretty awesome. I'll tell you what, it's funny. I
0: knew that I officially crossed into suburban dadhood when I officially had an Amazon breakdown box knife. Like I have one (laughs) knife that's in my garage just for breaking down boxes. It's all it does. It doesn't do anything
1: else. That's actually a great idea because I'm always finding like, you know, wine opener. Oh no, I'll use a scissor this time, a doll oh, no. scissor, and it gets a little bit dangerous. So yeah. yeah. Right in the garage,
0: right next to where I know everybody's going to throw the box. I just go, it just sits right there. She's waiting for me. And I just I <laughs> cut it all up. It goes off, off, <laughs> goes the cycle. Oh, awesome, man. Well, listen, I am, I'm so grateful for you doing this. I'm so excited uh, that you exist in the world and the ecosystem that you exist in. Uh, ad, you know, the entire ad space is better for it. T-Mobile is better for it. Um, and I know I personally am better for it. So thank you so much for taking the time today, man.
1: This has been awesome. And uh, back at you. And you're definitely inspiring from the books that you've written, the podcast that you started. A lot of people say, hey, I'm thinking about starting this. And many of you actually do it. And I think you're, you know, for uh, three for three in my book. on like, hey, I heard JT J- say he's going to do something and he's come back and he's actually done it. So uh, that's like you know, uh, getting it from ideation to MVP to like, Hey, now we're, we're scaling out. So back at you, man. Uh, love to you and your family and your listeners. And, uh, th- Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Thanks.